Hello, and welcome to the Wild Heart Meditation Center podcast. We release these episodes every week on Wednesday mornings, and the best way to support us is by clicking subscribe and taking a moment to rate the podcast wherever you are listening. If you'd like to support our efforts to keep the nonprofit Meditation Center open in Nashville, you can donate via Venmo by sending your donation to at Wild Heart Nashville, or you can make a donation through our website, wildheartmeditationcenter.org, by clicking the Donate tab. Peace and love. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon. I started attending retreat um, about 12 years ago. And what I've noticed is that people used to respond to some of my international travels with excitement and curiosity. And now it much more seems like when I tell people I'm going on retreat and going off grid, there's Um, that same kind of tenor of curiosity and intrigue. It's almost as if we recognize that we're operating at the speed of light in a pace kind of determined by machines. And in many of us, there's this longing of familiarizing ourselves with the pace of life. I want to thank you for your practice today thus far. I can really sense and feel the slowing down in your dedication here on this first full day. I'm beginning to get a little more intimate with this pace of life. Pace of the mind, that that might be a little different. I've been noticing that, that incongruency. So our practice thus far has been mindfulness of body, specifically mindfulness of the breath. Choosing one spot where the breath is most obvious, most predominant, and drawing our attention there. Staying with the breath to the extent that we can, each inhale, each exhale, mattering. And like Andrew said, we never graduate from this foundational practice. It's foundational because it supports us for the whole of the path. So this afternoon, I'm just going to elaborate and expand a little bit on the morning instructions. They'll largely remain the same. But what I want to speak to is the role of effort, energy, and also the intention our energy is imbued with as we continue to practice with mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the breath. So virya is the word in Pali Sanskrit that is often translated as energy. And it's considered the root of all accomplishments. It's one of the um, (coughs) enlightenment factors. And although it seems pretty obvious that energy is needed to bring any endeavor to completion, it's how we understand this quality of the mind and how we apply it that can determine whether it's the source of joyful interest, which is another uh, enlightenment factor, or the source of incredible frustration and discouragement. There was a disciple of the Buddha who came to him one day who was extremely discouraged. His name was Sona. And he was a very energetic disciple. And yet he found that defilement still existed in his mind. And so he comes to the Buddha and he's like, you know, I'm trying and trying. And I've got all this wealth. And I could just be like hanging out in like on my yacht and like not working so hard to try this whole awakening thing. Plenty of other options of how I could spend my Labor Day weekend. And I'm seeing no progress. 
And the Buddha's like, when you were a lay person, you played harp, correct? It's like, I sure did. It's like, and when you strung your harp and those strings were too taut, was the harp resonant and playable? And he's like, no. Like, and what about when those strings were too loose? Was it resonant and playable? It's like, sure wasn't. It's like, what about when it was neither too loose right, nor too taut? It's like, that, that, that sounded good. Yeah. And so the Buddha said, in the same way, Sona, when energy is too forceful, it leads to restlessness. When energy is too slack, it leads to laziness. So apply yourself to energy and serenity and find a balance of the faculties. Learn the pattern of this situation. So we also want to be mindful of how we're making effort, how we're applying ourselves in this mindfulness of breath practice. I'm gonna try a little exercise with y'all um, related to the body. So if you'd like, you can close your eyes. You're welcome to keep the gaze downward in light. You're just going to lightly extend your left hand in front of you, just kind of cupped. And imagine placing something you really care about in the palm of your hand. And you care about it so much that it's worthy of protection. So you're going to close the left hand and make it into a fist to protect that which you care about. With the right hand coming over, the left fist. And having that right hand, the energy of, I need you. Like you really have to get to that thing you care about. You want it. You're driven to have it. And just notice what the right hand wants to do how the left hand responds. And then release the hands. You can kind of lightly shake them out. Left hand again, placing the thing you care about, something treasured and cherished. Placing it in the palm and closing the left hand, protecting. Bringing your right hand to it again. And this time the energy of the hand is one of, I care. I wish and desire that you're protected and that you're nourished. I'm just gonna hold the attention towards what I care about. Noticing how the left hand might respond. And then releasing the hands. Find that in my experience of that exercise, it becomes quite evident, this balancing factor, balancing the factor of effort and energy, the too taut, the too grippy, the overassertion or that caring presence, just light enough. So there are ways to be skillful and unskillful with our effort. If it's too tight, if there's a strong agenda of, in order to, I must, in order to get the most out of this retreat, I must bear down. In order to be successful as a student of Buddhism, I must ace this walking meditation practice. Right? It's holding on to an object tightly, afraid that we'll lose it in some kind of way. Then. What's required is a softening of the effort, the quality of the effort. 
is what Joseph Goldstein calls efforting, right? When there's a force in the mind, that's like, rather than a relaxation in the mind, we are seeking or striving to get it right, get it correct, or to do away with our frustration. So a mindful of ideas of gains and expectations rather than openness and receptivity to what's already there. And the same goes for the experience of the breath itself. In mindfulness of breathing, we're just becoming aware of the natural rhythm of the breath. There's no need to augment, to change, to manipulate, to fix it in any way. There are dedicated practices, breathwork practices, and they serve to activate or stimulate. What we're doing here is a different practice of being with the natural, organic expression of the breath. Of course, sometimes you might find it helpful if you notice the mind has wandered, as it will, to kind of come back and reset to reawaken, we might take a deep inhale, ground ourselves in the body, redirect our attention, and come back to how is the breath right now. Andrew quoted um, Saido Tejaniya earlier, and I was like, oh, he's really been on my mind a lot. And he says, if you're looking for a result or want something to happen, you will only tire yourself out. It's important in this practice to conserve energy so you can practice continuously. So stay relaxed. I love when teachers make comments as simple as that. Stay relaxed, but true. Of course, if we're too slack, right, too loose in our effort, the merits of the practice not come to fruition, I noticed in my own practice that mindfulness of breathing um, had a period of being quite sterile. Um, It felt as though I was uh, in a watchtower, kind of commanding the body or controlling the breath in some way through my, my vision. And even the backs of the eyes would strain a little bit. And the, the focus and attention, I could feel the separation or the distance between watching me and the breath. And so that's the bridge that um, I'm inviting us to make today, bridging the gap between any distance we might feel between ourselves and the experience of the breath. Sometimes it's called like bargaining with practice. Like, well, I'm acknowledging the breath. It's good enough. I'm saying in and out. I'm seeing it. But there's also some part of me that's quite distant or removed or further away. It's a casual, kind of dull, disinvested, drifty attention. And when we hold that kind of intention, attention, we're more likely to move from a neutral experience to an unpleasant experience. Yeah. I think there's a high correlation between a wandering, casual attention and an incredible amount of discontent. It kind of creates the conditions for dissatisfaction to arise. We know that space of a lack of vitality, a lack of interest, um, a kind of cloudiness or dryness in our meditation practice, also in our relationships, right? When you're sitting with a a friend and you can just sense the disconnect there. Your response might be to withdraw, to make yourself smaller, say, okay, if you don't wanna hang out, like I can just go. Or you might search a lot for ways to make connection and scramble. What topics could we possibly come to? something to negotiate, this kind of cloudiness or fatigue. So when the mind is continuously drifting off and there's no energy to investigate, that's where we strengthen this effort factor and tune the 
instrument a little bit tighter. Because this organism is wise enough to know that if I'm bored, I'm just going to go search for trouble, right? I'll make up something to worry about, something to plan and to plot. I'll create many different lives that I'm going to live outside of this retreat. And there's not that engagement or there's a divestment from the experience. So virya is also um, translated as effort, strength, perseverance, and also courage. I really like this one. Courage from the Latin root, core, to lead forth from the heart. So our efforts can have a, a quality that powerfully energizes our hearts as we walk on this path. And courage is kind of energized by challenge. It's like, okay, sticking with the breath. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, the difficulty of maintaining and sustaining a connection to the body, the resisting, the addictive mind, and all of its tendencies to try to vie for our attention. It's like when skillful energy is present, it meets that challenge. And it's not discouraged by the thought of hardship or by the length and the duration of the endeavor of this undertaking. So if you're like, oof, two more full days? And where is this energy factor? So as you maintain continuous awareness of the breath and body for the rest of the day, we're looking to strike a balance between being relaxed and being genuinely interested in our experience. And one way that we can encourage or engage virya or this energy is through loving it, through caring about our experience, the quality of metta, Dejaniya also says, awareness is not enough. Awareness is not enough. That maintaining and sustaining our attention is actually supported by caring about our experience. Andrew introduced the word bhavana, which many of you are probably familiar with, cultivation. It is the bringing about of a quality of mind and quality of heart wise attention, so where we're directing our attention today, in this case, to the body, be it sounds, be it weight, the density of the body, temperature of the body, or be it to the breath coming and going in and out of the nostrils or the rise and fall of the chest, feeling the coolness or the heat in the back of the throat. This is where we place our attention, gather our attention, and magnify, right? Whatever we pay attention to will grow. We are also cultivating a kind of wise intention. So it's the moment to moment um, movement of the mind. And it's a question of in what direction is the mind moving? And how can we support the mind in moving in the direction towards well-being and happiness? So learning right relationship in order to lead us in the direction of less suffering. So this afternoon, we're calling on metta to support us in this practice. Metta is one of the Brahma-Baharas, sometimes known as the divine abodes or the immeasurables the immeasurable abodes or dwellings. These are four qualities or attitude, or I like to call them flavors of the heart. Right? They're expressions of the heart, and they work in relationship with each other and support us in caring for ourselves and the world. So metta is um, it's a cognate of friend. So Andrew spoke about the, the breath as meeting an old friend. And actually, Ananda, um, the Buddha's cousin and kind of like main homie, 
he reflected that mindfulness of body and mindfulness of breath is like the best friend he ever had. And so we're giving the attention like we give our best friend, and we're also receiving the attention like we receive from our friend. Right? So there is a relationship um, there and in terms of how, what it is we're perceiving, experience, and also what we're gleaning, this kind of concentrated, collected, deeper relaxation from attention given to the breath, but with a quality of well-wishing, of loving-kindness, of friendliness. Another way it's spoken about is metta is the felt sense, the attitude of an ideal mother, sort of symbolic mother, or a really generous caretaker. So that caretaker who holds a child gently and tends to the little one while it's out in the world. I'm from the Panhandle of Florida, and I spent a lot of time at the beach. And really since, I don't know, some years into my Buddhist practice, did I begin to love the experience of being at the beach and witnessing families? And it occurs to me that Metta is like a caregiver on a beach day with their child. And the, the waves are coming and going, the tides rolling in and out, there's this rhythm to the gulf, to the ocean, and the kid is playing around, joyfully engaged, right? Curious and full of wonder at the shoreline. And sometimes I witness, you know, a, a caregiver, parent figure, someone who's like chilling, <laughs> you know, there on, on their beach chair, lovingly paying attention to the child, right? There is a, a watchfulness there. But it's not smothering, it's not uh, requiring anything of them. It's, it's giving some space for the direct experience with the movement of the ocean. So in this way, I like to conjure and sort of invoke that, that sense, that, that loving, caring, precious energy that there's something vulnerable and worthy of our attention. And the breath is pretty vulnerable. It's an incredible thing that we are each here breathing right now. and that we have the capacity to care about it. The Buddha asserted that this capacity is innate, that it's just been covered up. This capacity to respond to phenomena with love, with tenderness, with appreciation, with care. And so, you know, it, it might be possible that it feels like a thick tangle of a, a thicket of forest that covers up the heart right now. Know that you're not alone with that. But for this afternoon, what we'll focus our attention on is just sending that <coughs> loving, caring presence to the breath itself, to our experience in this body with mindfulness of body, mindfulness of breathing. Apparently, I just learned this about 30 minutes ago, is that we breathe on average 20,000 times a day. And it's quite beneficial for us to connect and sustain our attention on this breath as an object or an anchor. Conducive to gathering and collecting the attention, the grounds of concentration is what we're skillfully efforting towards today.
Tijaniya says, any tension in the mind or body is an indication of greed, aversion, or delusion in the mind. It means you are likely wanting something, disliking something, and wanting it to go away, or you are feeling confused about something. So maybe you experienced one, two, or the shitstorm of all three of these at different points today. So when we respond to the tension in the mind and the tension in the body as we garnish, garnish this kind of focus, respond with metta, then there's an openness or a freedom where our, our goodwill can radiate towards our experience. The last section of the Metta Sutta reads as follows. Standing or walking, sitting or lying down, whenever one is alert, may one stay with this perspective. This is called a sublime abiding here and now. So this perspective is really this attitude of a kind of sensitivity, a warmth, a, a caring engagement with our experience. So we think because we're complicated that uh, practice has to be. But really, we're keeping with the same practice, but paying attention to how loose or how tight is the mind and the heart right now. And can I apply some kindness to this experience of coming closer to the breath, becoming more intimate with the breath? Some ways I move from the breath as friend to breath as lover. Does that change our relationship with this intimate phenomenon? I've got a friend who's um, serving 35 years in prison. And when we talk about returning to the breath, he always says, no fuss, no muss. That's right, Em. He's like, don't, you know, you can also, okay, mind, I see you, I see you, thank you. What we're doing right now is just the breath. I'm not going to make it into a thing. I'm not going to make it into a problem. When the breath, when we stray from the breath, attention wanders, also not a problem. care about this journey that we're on to develop a steadiness of the mind through anchoring our attention in a single object. So we'll do some practice together. If we want to move our bodies a little bit, you're welcome to. Assume and engage with care in finding a suitable posture. Mindful of how the body is in this moment and how to position the body in a way that is caring for you. Taking some time to adjust the posture so that it might have some possibility of releasing joy for you. Not a joy or a delight in something specific, but the easeful joy of being open, receptive. allowing life to live through this body in this moment. Rest in the sweetness of not needing to do anything 
to want anything or to need anything. Just being here is enough. To be breathing here is enough. Locating the place in the body where you feel the breath most vividly. Opening of any tension or closing. Open the doors of your chest and the windows of your heart. Breathing out, dropping into that openness. concerns of life to become simpler and simpler. Our main arena of attention is simply being with the body, breathing. The breathing body. Does breathing feel like? Our attention be alert, alive, developing intimacy with the natural changing flow of the breath.
would it be like to move attention closer to the breath? Not necessarily narrowing attention, but inhabiting the breath, developing a quiet interest to what's unfolding like a gentle caregiver. Experiencing the breath with a caring attention. Check in for a moment with the energetic quality of engagement. Tension present, sense of making effort, trying. Efforting. It's too much effort for the task. Relax. 
relaxing and softening into the breath. cloudy or hazy. And the knob of the energetic engagement we turn up just a little bit for a bright and caring attention to breathing in and breathing out. And the shoreline of awareness meet the waves of the breath with receptivity, friendliness, kindness.
offering kindness to the breathing body. If I cannot meet this with kindness in this moment, please know I intend to one day be able to meet this breathing body with kindness.
go forth with the rest of the afternoon. Mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of body, engaging and employing that mindfulness with skillful energy and a caring and loving attention.